maybe that's how we should start our episodes. All that like, and more on this week's episode of Wheels Up. Unfortunately, that would require us to plan, think about our intros ahead of time. Yeah, and we, I don't know if you've noticed this, <laughs> we're not very good at that. No. Although, we do have a fun little game this episode. I love a game. I, I really do. I love a game. And this game is called, Wow. The writers did so well. Let's <laughs> let's do it too. Yeah. We're doing a clue hunt today, baby. Yes, do you want to feel like a smart detective? We've got you covered. We're basically being Emily Prentice. <laughs> we are Emily this episode. <laughs> yes, we are. Now, here is how this game is going to work. First of all, Go watch the episode and write down... It's a very good episode. It's really good. And write down everything you think is a clue as to who did this murder. We have already done that. As we go through this episode, I have noted what I think the clues are. There's about eight of them. Uh And we're not going to tell you what the clues are as we go. We're just going to talk about it, see if you can pick up on it. And then right before they announce who the killer is, we are going to pull out our handy-dandy notebook and tell you what all the Blue's Clues are. We're going to have our little, like, Hercule Poirot moment where Mm. we are in the parlor telling everybody the exact clues that led us to this moment. Absolutely. I fucking love this episode. This is such a good fucking episode. Another thing I want to say just off the bat is that I have a puppy. <laughs> and if you hear any barks just like that one, know that it's him. Barks, whines, whimpers. I'll do my best to cut them out, but sometimes I'm going to be talking. And you're going to hear stuff like that. So, keep your eyes peeled for the case of James' puppy. He's our fifth co-host. Or our seventh? If you count your cats. Because I have two cats, you have two cats, and a puppy. So he's our seventh co-host. It's getting really crowded in this studio, gang. (laughs) Oh, are we... I like that we're putting our pets on an equal, like, like they used to be guests, and now they're co-hosts. You know, like it used to (laughs) be... They've moved on up in the world. (laughs) Yeah, it used to be that you and I were the co-hosts, and then... We had five guests. And now, no, there's just seven co-hosts. But I have made him a little bed on the floor beside me. I have put a million toys. But his new favorite thing is pulling my high school graduation photos out of who knows where and eating them. So I'm going to have to be keeping one eye peeled (laughs) for the puppy. That did happen today. That's a real thing. I mean... Congrats, actually. Oh, hold on, Sharon's calling. Wow, between the puppy and Sharon, my side of the internet is bustling. I'm just hanging, actually. My cats are, one of them is sleeping on a, on a crate next to me, and the other is in the living room playing with a ball. That's it. My side of the internet is quiet. We're chill people over here. Yeah. I used to be chill. 
And then you got a puppy, like a fucking insane person. Not only did I get a puppy, but my wife broke her ankle the day we got the puppy or found out her ankle was broken. And so I, who was not the uh, uh, four one runner, I was not the forerunner of the puppy adoption, and yet yeah. here I am, the sole caretaker. On Saturday, hey B, on Saturday, I drove twenty one hours, two thousand miles with a puppy. That's fucking insane, bro. That's how I spent my Saturday, and I'm tired. And that's so fair. But you know what always gets me pumped? The theme song. Oh, hey there, heebie-jeebies. Oh, hey there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh hey there, uh, Josephatu. Josephatu, <laughs> pulling out the Nosferatu here in 2023. You are now a German silent film. <laughs> I want to suck your blood. I was gonna try to put a J on that, but the J L sound is not one that my mouth will make. <laughs> it's not good no it's not good actually like it's not good okay just double check that we are in fact recording that is true this week on wheels up we bring to you one of the top five best criminal minds episodes i'm just gonna fucking say it because it's true correct and you're 1000 percent correct yes period Period. That is correct. Now, Seven Seconds is season three, episode five. Correct. And wow, I love it. They peaked early, I think. I was just going to say they that. They peaked early. <laughs> they really like, this... they really got hot in high school of it all. You know what I mean? Sure. <laughs> what I like most about this episode is like, I really like how it breaks the standard format of like, we get a briefing, we get a plane scene, we run around the town, talk to locals, we give a profile, we figure out where the person is, and then we get them, and then we have a plane debrief. You know, that's kind of the Mm -hmm. formula of every episode. And I like that this is just not that, and it comes out of nowhere. Like, I don't know how you would, Mm -hmm. you know, hint that this was coming, but it's like, so unexpected and the team kind of it they spread out over the mall and then they come back together in little batches and everyone's kind of doing what they're best at and we get like a motion from everybody and everyone's on their a game and it's just such a poignant thing of a child missing in a large place and could already be dead and the parents are right there and then it ends up being the family it's just like such an emotional case and the format they chose to do it in is so good 
it's also it's i think one of those cases where we see how the bau works as other people see them you know what i mean like we don't get this extra insight into who they think it is or anything you just have to go off of the looks that they give each other and the looks that they give other people you know like there's no like usually during the briefing is sort of when we get that like impact like here's how they work here's how they're thinking about it this is literally just the BAU is at this mall and you're just like looking around like, wait, what's going on? You know, it's very good. Yeah, they really are thinking on their feet and there's no downtime. And I made a note of every time it cuts with to like people searching. And I feel like this is a good example of a timer. You know, you and I complain so much about, yeah. you know, we have 36 hours. In this, they have like one hour to find her. And then we learn, you know, the whole thing about like, if they duct tape her mouth, she has asthma. That's also going to kill her. So there's just all these things that are making it so important they find her quickly and it feels real. And the fact that they go from like the team having one-on-one conversations to a bunch of people searching, you know, sometimes on these timed episodes, it feels like everyone is rushing So it's like messy or it feels like everyone's talking and they don't care about the timer. This was Mm -hmm. such a good way of showing that like this work does take, you know, profiling does take time, but. So does searching. So does searching. And that urgency, just because it takes a long time doesn't mean it isn't urgent work. Exactly. I also want to bring up something that we've sort of talked to and alluded about to before mm-hmm. is the fact that this is this is like a whodunit mm-hmm. this is like a locked house murder mystery more than i think nearly any other episode in the series is Absolutely. this is the like locked house murder mystery this is the agatha christie of it all usually their episodes are f- formatted more like a regular cop show which is like a how catch em sort of thing where like we know the villains they don't you know it's that sort of thing yeah. but this episode is really, really good as, like, an episode of Criminal Minds, sure, but it's also very fucking good as, like, a mystery. I think that's a good point. This show is, you know, for all that it's a mystery of who did it, it's not a mystery show. You know, it's it's a cop mm-hmm. show. It's a procedural like that. But this is a mystery episode. And I think that's why it's so fun to do a clue game like this, because... They give they give us all the clues to figure out who it is, and we realize it just as Emily realizes it. By the way, shout out to Emily for solving the case. Uh, she did. She it. was on it from the beginning. Yeah. Um, I just want to also note that it is interesting that um I sort of alluded to this as a locked house murder mystery because there's an egg of, there's not an egg of the Christie there's an episode of the BBC's long-running drama Poirot based on Agatha Christie books there's an episode of Poirot that is nearly exactly like this (laughs) and I'm not like I'm not fucking with you (laughs) there's an episode of Poirot called let me see here it's called The Adventure of Johnny Waverly and it's nearly exactly like this Uh, it's a kidnapping case locked house murder mystery somebody from the family takes the boy like I love this episode, and I also very much love mysteries, which is why this is, I think, one of my all-time favorite episodes of Criminal Minds, period. Period. You just made me think of 
Criminal Minds Evolution, which we're covering at the same time, mm-hmm. it's a mystery. Yeah, it, it is. is. It's not so much a cop show. It's a mystery. And I think that's why it's divisive among fans because it isn't like the typical Criminal Minds, but it is like seven seconds. You know, yeah. and we love it, you know, but I'm sure this is some people's like, they think this episode is, you know, boring or something, but I love it. Okay. Yeah, no, it oh. is. I think it is a little bit divisive. Uh, evolution is a little divisive because it is more of a mystery than anything else. Absolutely. Yeah. It's not like we said in our last evolution episode, it's not flashy. Just like this episode, there's no like, let's talk about this episode, shall we? Let's talk about this episode. So we talked about the game. Play along with us at home. When you watch the episode, or if you just watched the episode recently, play along with us and try and spot the clues because we will be specifically mentioning those clues as they come up. We're not going to say they're clues, though. We're going to say that at the very end when we have our little Hercule Poirot foyer moment. So there's our game. Let's play it. Let's go. Let's go. All right. I don't know if you want to be in the Google Doc to see what I've marked as clues or if you would like to play along. I, you know what, James? I'm going to play along, actually. Okay, good. So the context of this episode, I think we might as well just say because we learned it fairly quickly. A week ago, a little girl, Rebecca Davis, was taken from this mall and killed. So they're assuming that this whole episode kind of has the premise that Katie Jacobs was taken by the same person. But they managed to lock down the mall before he got out. So the unsub and Katie Jacobs are still in the mall. And it could be the same person because that unsub was never caught. Okay. So our episode starts with this setup. Katie Jacobs, mom and dad. Oh, for this episode, as far as names go, we have mom and dad who are Katie Jacobs' parents. And we have aunt, uncle, and cousin. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm just going by family titles. Because their names are not said that much in this episode. Yeah. I do want to just say a quick shout out at the top. If you recognize the woman who plays Beth Jacobs, which is mom, which is Katie's mom. uh, She was also Katniss's mom in the Hunger Games. And that's where I know her from. Oh my God. But she did such good work this episode. Holy shit. She did such good work. Shout out to absolutely everybody in this episode. Honestly, yeah. A fucking phenomenal cast. No, this episode would not work nearly as well if this cast had not been so fucking good. This cast is like, mm, it's very, very good. I know. So shout out to um, Suzanne Cryer, who plays Aunt uh, Susan Jacobs. And then I'm not even going to like even fucking attempt to pronounce these dudes' last names, but uh-huh. Emmanuel and Salvatore, who played uh, the brothers, Richard and Paul, so dad and uncle. They are actually brothers, and their last name is, it's French, but also has an X in it. And I don't know (laughs) how in my brain to even begin to comprehend that, so we're not even going to try. Is it like E-A-U-X? It's X-U-E-R-E-B. So if it was any other country, I'd be like, Swareb? Maybe, but it, they're French, but they are French. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is fucking bullshit. And then also um, Alexander Gold, who plays Jeremy, who plays the cousin. Yes. Uh, also did great work as a child, honestly. 
Also, this is random, but the girl at the arcade who like distracts him, that actress goes on to play a young Virginia in Raising Hope, which is one of my top five favorite television shows. I always think that she looks like, um, and I do this every single time I look at this episode. Is it the girl from Minimal Loss? No, I always think that she looks like Olivia Holt from Cloak and Dagger because she looks exactly Mm. like Olivia Holt, but it's not Olivia Holt, which is the fucked up part. It's Kelly Hayer. Kelly Hayer. Also, while we're just talking about the actors from this episode, Katie Jacobs is played by Ariel Winter, who goes on to play the middle child from Modern Family, uh, Alex Dunphy. Yeah, so great cast. (laughs) So fucking banger cast all around for sure okay this would not work near as well if it didn't have as good of a cast as it does yeah they're so believable also i'm glad you told me that the dad and uncle were brothers in real life because i fully was like they got the same actor playing both because they look exactly they look so alike and honestly that makes it even more like poignant because it's like they're actually brothers brothers yeah Okay, so the episode starts with mom and dad looking for Katie. They're like running through the mall. And then we hear a voiceover of the aunt calling 911. And we learn that they're in Potomac Mills Mall, which I know they're not. Every single person I've talked to from this area says they should be in Tyson's Corner Mall. So just know that, that in my head, they're in Tyson Corner. But in canon, they're in Potomac Mills. And it's incorrect. Okay. Katie is six. And she's missing in the mall. And the aunt says, this isn't happening. Somebody took her like the little girl last week. And that's how we start our voiceover. So, next, the mall is in lockdown. There's an emergency announcement being like, nobody leaves. Nobody goes anywhere. Everyone comes to the middle, etc. And we meet James Franklin, who's the director of the Bureau's Rapid Deployment Team. Which seems non-specific but real and he basically asks for a photo of katie because he wants to show it to people and the mom is so scattered and in shock and she keeps being like is it the same person who took my girl last week is it the same person but she gives him her razor flip phone to get photos off of the bau walks in and they're like can i just say sorry no go ahead Actually, I'll wait for this comment until after. There's a point when we'll... I'll make this comment. Continue, sorry. Okay. Stay tuned for that. (laughs) Just, uh... (laughs) Just gonna start, like, dropping teasers towards my good fun points. At some point... Guys, big things coming. I'm gonna make a joke. (laughs) (laughs) At some point, I will make a joke. See if you can catch it. (laughs) Okay. The BAU walks into the mall and says it's a very similar case to the one last week. You know, if it's the same MO, then the abductor is still going to be there because the person who took Jessica Davies wanted time with her, so he took her. So the the abductor is not going to leave the mall without Katie. That's the thing. And he's not going to hurt her in the mall because he wants that alone time with her. But uh, there's also no video of Katie leaving the building. They've paged for her. They've scanned it. There's just no signs of her anywhere. So... Yeah, it must be the same MO, etc. The abductor must be in the mall. So they're going to treat it like a neighborhood and break it up into sections. Great. 
And then we get the rundown of like just how many places there are for someone to hide a kid in a mall. This episode is very 2007 because this mall functioning full of stores has restaurants in it. No mall has that anymore. Gang, this is very pre the fall of malls, I think. Oh, I think so too. I just, I like this episode a whole lot, but I also think it is kind of funny how it's like almost a little time capsule for how cool malls were before they all fell to fucking ruin. Well, it makes me think of Lessons Learned where like they're bombing the new opening of like the second largest mall in America. And I was like, I was like, who opens malls anymore? Like, malls are either open or they're not. You know, like, no one's making new malls. Exactly. Who's making malls in 2023? Like, what (laughs) is up there? Oh, I had the most, like, tragic. So I went and saw, we've talked about this a little bit, but Harry Potter, the final part, part, Sovereign Part 2, came out my first semester of college. And we went Mm -hmm. to the Tallahassee Mall to see it. and. Even then, 2011, there were half the stores were empty. And I went back, I went on like a date to the movies, same theater in 2014. There were like two stores in that mall and the movie theater. And I was just like, wow, malls really are dying, huh? (laughs) They really are dying, huh? The one exception is the Mall of America. But that's because they put a theme park in the middle of it. Yeah. And also, it's kind of dying as well. It is hard for them to keep stores in there. Yeah, there's a mall in Miami that I used to go to all the time, Sunset Place. And there's one of the stores. When it opened, it was a virgin store. You know, like. (laughs) Yeah. And the bottom floor was CDs. And the top floor was DVDs. And it was a two-story CD and DVD store. Okay, and it has sat vacant. It sat vacant for years, but every winter, Spirit Halloween would fill it, and you'd have a two-story <laughs> Halloween yep. store. And yep. like for a while, it was like a home goods store, which I loved. I bought a bunch of shit from there. And then now <laughs> it's like some sort of like clean living, hoity-toity wasp bullshit, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but every time I go by, it's a new thing, and I'm just like, damn, that sucks. <laughs> Guys, malls would be cool if they were for anything other than late-stage capitalism. Like, there's some malls, there's a Dolphin Mall, which is a little far from me, but I go to it, that has, like, laser tag, bowling, a movie theater. It's Mm -hmm. got, like, things to do. The problem with malls is, like, why would I go spend... I used to do this. I was... I guess you could call me a mall brat. I would spend all day at the mall and buy nothing except lunch. And it was so fun. You just walk around with your friends and do random shit. Yeah. And now I'm just like, I don't like that. (laughs) I'd rather be doing something. Here's the thing, too, is I think, didn't the dude who invented malls go on record and say, I fucking hate malls with only stores in them? Like, I envisioned malls as, like, community centers with, like, education centers or like classrooms and like community outreach and sure some stores but also like apartments and stuff too like i envisioned malls as something more than this and i fucking hate shopping malls specifically he said something like that i think 
Yeah, I mean, I have to imagine that, you know, they called them malls based on, like, Washington, D.C., based on the mall that has, like, a green and museums and stores and restaurants. It's like a place for people to go and spend time, you know? And I think that, you know, when malls have things to do, they're a ton of fun, you know? Like, I spent so much time at Sunset Place. We would go to the movies. We They had a GameWorks, which is like, um, it's called something else now. It's like an arcade, basically, like a giant arcade. We would spend so much money there. You know, they had like candy stores and a, there's still a Barnes & Noble there. We would spend so much time in the two-story Barnes & Noble, you know? Yeah. It's like there used to be shit to do at malls, even if it's and just now like there's just not. Yeah, we used to just like pick a book section. We would like sit in the manga section and just like read all the manga. We like couldn't buy, <laughs> um, you know. But there's just like stuff to do and events and concerts and things like that. And and now when I go to malls, I'm just like, but I don't want to buy anything. Like, why would I go somewhere to hang out when I can't? Like, I'm not gonna buy anything, and there's nothing to do. So like, yeah, like the only reason I still do and always have because i lived up there is like chill at the mall of america but also there's like shit to do at the mall of america there's a theme park there's like game stores that you can like sit down and just play a game for three hours at like yeah fucking there was a league of legends event at the mall of america like yeah this is such a 2007 episode because there is a fully functioning mall dedicated solely to shopping and some restaurants you know what i mean it Mm -hmm. just made me giggle because i was like oh yeah there's a lot in malls there was a lot in malls before they all fucking died yeah so the man's name was victor gruen or gruen and he said that he wanted to create a third place safe, neutral public spaces outside of one's home or work that provided the needed place and opportunity for participation in modern community life that the ancient Greek agora, the medieval marketplace, and our own town squares provided in the past. So he didn't want to create, like, capitalist hellscapes. He wanted to create meeting places. And I do think that, like, you're a little younger than me, but I think when we were, like, teens... They kind of were like you could yeah. just go to the mall and your friends would be there and you could exactly. just hang out, play games, see a movie, go bowling. Like that's what they were. You knew like people were going to the mall. Nowadays, like I only go to the mall when I need to buy something and then I go to that store in the mall, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 This does feel like a really dated episode. It just makes me laugh. Yeah. Also, the idea of just, like, leaving your kids in the arcade and, like, bye, I'm gonna go get something engraved. Yeah, fucking insane. Don't wander off. You're six years old. Like, a six-year-old girl and a 13-year-old boy? Like, no. Okay. Anyway. We get all this contact. And we get the list of, like, there's this many stores and this many elevators and this many storage units and this many air ducts and access to the roof and a basement and the parking garage. And it's just, like, well, shit, that's going to take a long yeah. time, huh? And the woman yeah. says, the woman says, like, it would take three or four hours to scope the whole thing. And they just don't have that time. So we learn, you know, Katie was last seen in the arcade with her cousin. And we get her clothing outfit. She's wearing pigtails. That's important. 
And then Emily gets a list of all the like sex offenders within four miles. And she's like, run this against the employees. It comes to nothing, but it doesn't matter. Franklin and Hot- I like that we just get this shot of Emily walking around being a boss bitch, giving orders to people. I think it's very funny. Oh, yeah. JJ by her side in her little business. Exactly. Outfit. What I really like about this scene with Emily and JJ specifically is that Emily is like, they're, they're both listening to the woman talk. She hands Emily the list. And Emily's like, here's what you do with the list. Where's this happening? What's this? And then they walk up to the people. And then JJ is immediately like, hi, this is who we are. And it's like, they don't run into each other or like have conflict like they know what each other's role is and what their role is and they work really well as a team together and i love it yeah it's yeah. really hey the hey guys this episode fucking banger it's really good and the same thing with jj and Derek. i love it and franklin and hotch are talking about like how much it sucks when kids die and franklin was actually like franklin found jessica davis's body and was like this is terrible i hate this and Franklin, by the way, is the, the rapid response guy that we talked yeah. about earlier. I don't know if we ever said his name, but his name's Franklin. Okay, cool. And As long as somebody did. I said his name. James Franklin, yeah. And he says, like, it's all chance, and it makes no logic, and it has no sense. And then Garcia's in the security office, and she's like, I'm going to need the security footage, and this cord, and this, and that, and that. And the guy doesn't go anywhere, and she's like, and I don't mean that hypothetically. <laughs> I love her get to be a little bitch who's like... Yeah. I need this shit. You're going to give it to me. She's like, Thank sorry, you. I asked you for things. Could you get them for me? She's yeah. like, I don't mean that hypothetically. I, I mean that like I do need that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I like that, you know, I don't know too much about technology, but it didn't seem like an unreasonable amount of things. You know, she wasn't like, I need this hyper specific. She was like, I need the footage. I need this cable, ostensibly to hook a laptop in. And then she needed one like sort of drive that like they're going to have. You know, it was just yeah. like reasonable stuff. And the, the only thing that went. might be unreasonable is the joystick controller. Cause like right. who reasonably uses a joystick controller? That was the thing that I was like, interesting. But I mean, they're at a mall. But Fucking go get you're one. You're at a mall. Exactly. <laughs> you're at a mall. Go buy one. Yeah. Okay. Emily and JJ get the picture of Katie from the parents. And they're like, this is her. And great. We're going to put this to absolutely... Everyone. Hold on. I'm adding a clue which sucks because all my clues are numbered and I now have to shift oh, the no. number of all my clues. It's fine. I forgot this is a clue. Okay. And then they go to the family and they introduce themselves. And we meet mom, dad, aunt, uncle, cousin. Okay. Derek and Reed. We look the security woman that they're talking to says realistically it would take three hours to search and this is a real statistic but kids most kids die within like 24 hours and 45 percent or something like that i think he said die within six and then when the cops know they die even sooner and jessica davis died within an hour so the timeline we're given the timer we're given is an hour for Katie Jacobs. And we learn, we will learn that it's shorter than that because of her asthma. So, they've got footage of her. Oh, I said, oh, now they can enhance an image? Well, I kind of liked that as, like, she's not working on her regular machines. Yeah. She's working on two laptops. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Like, I like that they can't because that feels realistic. But it's like, now when we need it more than ever, 
<laughs> I know, they it can't. is kind of funny. Convenient. Okay. Anyway, they see her, but they don't see who she's with. And then Derek says, you are breaking my heart, baby girl. Where did you go? And I was like, that's very sweet. But also, I don't like that he calls actual children baby girl, but then also sexually calls Garcia baby girl. Yeah, I don't like that a lot. Like, I get it. Like, I love the idea of calling someone, like, kid. You know, like, if your partner is, like, younger than you, you're like, okay, kid, you know. But. What? Kind of weird. But don't call actual children that then, you know? Yeah, exactly. Separation between church and state, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) Et cetera, et cetera, yeah. (laughs) You know? So then the opening. Okay, then we get the SWAT and Derek searching. We had our first, like, searching thing. Next. JJ shows parents the security photo. The parents don't recognize anything in it, but we do find out that Katie has asthma. Also, the dad is, like, really brusque and rude this episode, but I get it. Like, I I like that the mom is kind of, like, falling apart, and then the dad is very, like, cold. I want to be searching for her. I didn't do it. Why are you talking to me? Go find who did it. Like, I like that you kind of get the two sides of how a parent might react. The, like, total yeah. shock and fear versus, like, I need to do something about this. I have the hiccups. Today's not my fucking great, day. I was going to say, great thing, great ailment to come over you as we are recording a podcast in audio medium. Hey, smart. Okay. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then Hodge says the parents need to be debriefed separately. He talks to the dad. JJ talks to the mom. And basically, like, there's no connection to Jessica Davis, no dance classes, no nothing. There's no reason that, you know, the guy would target them both. Great. Then Derek and Reed are talking to the cousin, and we learn that, no, Derek and Reed are standing in front of the arcade, and they're talking about how 30 minutes ago, the Katie and the cousin were in the arcade. And, you know, normally we would call this a snatch and grab, but it has to be a preferential offender because of Jessica Davis. And the person who took Katie Jacobs came to the mall because he's familiar with the surroundings and he feels safe there. Okay. Emily is talking to the cousin. And, oh my god, while she's talking to the cousin, the aunt has her hand on his shoulder. And every time Emily asks him a question, she, like, taps on his shoulder and is, like, clearly trying to, like, be in control of the situation. And Emily asks the cousin, like, you know, was anyone looking at Katie? Did anyone compliment her hair? Like, anything. And the dad's, like, he probably wasn't even paying attention. And the cousin's, like, yes, I was. I like this scene because it shows immediately how much like the dad and son begin having this conversation. The mom just speaks directly to Emily. I really like this sort of like layering of conversations that they're all having and it feels bad and discordant, which is sort of the point. Right. You know, it's meant to feel like they are the imperfect family, even from the get go. And I really do like it. I like it too. And the, but the aunt says, you know, I should hate them all because I worked retail, but it was convenient. And she's like, I split up from the others because I had to shop for my husband's birthday. And then she starts getting upset and she like turns away and shakes her head. While the son and the dad are both like, you never pay attention. You never do this. And the son's like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And the truth is, he does, right? He does pay attention. 
He does, just not to Jeremy. No, I mean, Jeremy was paying attention. The cousin oh, was yes, paying attention. Correct. He just, yes. Yeah, same thing about it. Yeah. So Hotch is talking to the dad and is like, you know, Katie doesn't have a pension for walking away randomly. So she must have trusted the offender who took her because that's the only reason. Like, was it a cop? Was it this? Was it that? And the dad's like, I don't, you know, I don't know. Like, and then the dad says, what happened to Jessica Davis? And they don't say what happened to her, but you just see Hotch's face. And you, like, know that it was bad. bad. Yes. And then they're searching on the roof. Okay. Emily's talking to the uncle. And the uncle is like, could it be that Katie's just lost? She could be in a bookstore. You know, she loves to read. Or maybe in a clothing store playing dress up. And Emily gives him this, like, Emily is so uncomfortable. Doesn't even answer. Walks away. Yeah. The look she gives him. Uh, the what, look she gives him it's what's crazy to me though is like he says that I think the first time I watched this and every time I watch it I'm like they've been paging they've been doing announcements everyone left the stores to come to the middle in what world is she just like fuck off I'm gonna read instead of you know yeah also that yes exactly like that's how I read it I think that's how we're like meant to take it if we don't already know who did it we're supposed to be like, that's ridiculous. Like, why are you being hopeful like that? But Emily just gives him this, like, Jesus this Christ, look. dude. Look, yeah. And, but the aunt and the cousin are, like, right there watching it happen with the aunt, like, still having a hand on the sun. Cut to more searching. Okay. Reed and Derek. I really like that. I said this already, but I really like that they use the searching as the, like, scene change. You yeah. Know? Okay. Reed and Derek are talking. Oh, they start talking to cousin privately. And the cousin is like, my dad blames me. He says I wasn't paying attention. And then Derek is like, you know, can you tell us about what happened beforehand? It's so important to know what happened because the moments right before kidnapping are kind of where all the information is. And then the cousin starts having a panic attack. And I said relatable. Um, but he starts having like a full on, like clutching his chest panic attack. Which is like really unusual for a kid his age right yeah and i don't think he's like any, pretty like, young for full like for full-fledged panic attacks oh <laughs> i did start having them at like six well like <laughs> i mean like that very sudden like acute like yeah. it was such an immediate come on that like is so weird we come back and the mom oh jj has taken the mom and the dad to the security office i don't think i said that but jj garcia hotch mom and dad are in the security office and that's where they've all been talking. The mom is like playing with Katie's sweater and JJ goes over and is like, oh, is that Katie's? And the mom says that Katie took it off because she said it didn't match her sneakers and she didn't want to wear it. Which like so true. A fashion conscious queen, actually. Fashion conscious. What a six-year-old thing to do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then JJ's like, um, can we borrow that to give them to the scent dogs? <laughs> which jj girly oh, girl i made girly. A, i made a note she's being weird this episode she's kind of weird this app she's like super cold and business-like and i was like maybe she's just trying to like counter how like upset the mom is she's like if i stay professional the mom like won't you know we won't Will feed too? off each other's like it won't Energy? do any good if i'm crazy yeah. i don't know it was it was a weird it was one 
it was kind of a weird JJ app. I was like, is AJ Cook like sick? So they were like, just don't talk that much. <laughs> just stay just, still. Just don't talk. Just just stay still. Yeah. Well, I also said that AJ Cook might already be pregnant in this episode. Because she's, I mean, she is showing by like the next, in the next like three episodes, she like will start showing. By In Heat, she's like kind of but- noticeably pregnant. <laughs> But in heat is ten up is twelve episodes away. That's half a season away. That's well, half a year away. Well, that's twelve weeks, which is three months, a trimester. That's when you start showing. If she's showing three months from now. Yeah, I mean like she's probably she's pregnant a- yet, but I don't think she's like noticeably pregnant. No, no, she's not. But I'm just thinking of like as to why JJ would be like a little uh, weird a little weird she might start having like thoughts about being pregnant because i'm pretty sure she like gets, she like gets her pregnancy test like directly after in heat <laughs> you'll notice they start putting her in the like umpire wasted shirts that are like <laughs> drapey and she's always like sitting down leaning back in episodes like you oh just wait i'll point it out when it happens but very soon before like we know jj is pregnant it's so clear that aj cook is pregnant like her face gets a little like like chubbier because like she's you know pre-pregnant and then she starts like she changes the clothing that she wears and they start having her like sit differently and i was like you don't want us to know it but she's definitely like six months pregnant right now yeah but yeah it's a weird JJ episode so I think she might it might just be like she's realizing whatever okay and then she suggests that the mom gives an announcement over the PA to remind the unsub the is human okay next we have a Derek and Hodge scene and they're talking and Derek says that the cousin definitely knows something but he can't handle it he has an acute stress disorder and he can't remember what's happening so then JJ is coaching the mom, and the mom's like, do you have kids? And JJ says, not yet, but we think of everyone we help as our family. <laughs> I was like, okay. Hey, okay. that PR answer. I know. Yeah. So she gives some instructions, focus on Katie, like, who is she? Talk about how much she's loved, etc. And the mom gives a speech, and is like, she just started first grade. She wants, Katie wants to ride her bike with no training wheels, and I promised her she could try on her birthday. Whoever you are, I hope you're listening. And we see that the uncle and the aunt and the cousin are like all standing together. And then the uncle like walks away doing the speech and the aunt's like holding cousin's hand. And it's really sad. And they show like Emily, Derek, and Reed listening. Um, it's just like so poignant. They're like and pink she's balloon. Like, whoever, the way that she's like, whoever you are, whoever has her, please let her have another birthday. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. And the fact they like linger on the shot of like, you know, those playgrounds in the middle of malls, just the little ones. It's like a pink balloon floating over like the empty children's playground while she's like, she wants to ride a big girl bike with no training wheels. And I was just like, oh my God. So then Garcia says there are only seven seconds of the ca- security camera footage. So they said the title I of the episode. I see you. I see you. We finally got another yes on that on that spreadsheet. First one since the very first episode of this season, actually. Since Doubt. Since Doubt. Wow. I know. I know. So yeah. Garcia says, we only have seven seconds of CCTV footage. And we see Katie exit the arcade. She goes north, disappears. They can't tell who she's with. Hotch says, 
seven seconds. That's all it takes for a child to disappear. And then he says, none of the stores to the north are interesting to children, but the right bait may have lured her. More searching. Now there's dogs. Because I got the same thing. Okay. Now there's dogs. Now there's dogs. Reed, Derek, and the cousin are in the arcade trying to like jog his memory. And the cousin says he likes DOA. And Derek goes, dead on arrival? And Reed goes, oh, no, dead or alive. It's a combat game. It's like, okay, Reed. Have you noticed that, number one, dead or alive? Pretty good combat game, allegedly, all things told. Oh, is it real? I'm not a fighting game person, but whatever. Oh. Um, did you notice that when they're showing him scenes of him in the arcade, he's not playing a fighting game at all. He's playing a shooter. Totally different game. Oh, I can't it? tell... I can't tell if this is a deliberate, like, just the cousin is just saying he likes Dead or Alive. And then, but also then later says that he was playing a different game. Well, But the way that he says that people are watching him because he's good at it, like, are they, I mean, obviously there's probably another game called Dead or Alive that is like a zombie shooter or whatever, but like. He's not playing a fighting game. I think this is on purpose because if you'll notice in this first flashback that we get of him, he's what he says some kid was playing like a shooting game and the kid is not him, but the kid is going die, 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 die. And he sees him and then he picks up a gun in a later flashback. He's the one going die, die, die. So I think in this first conversation they have, he's trying to minimize his role in kind of everything that happened. He was like, oh, there was some other kid being really loud. That's why she was upset. And then later he's like, I was playing the loud game and she was upset. And then it was like, no, okay, there was a girl that distracted me. And, but it was Katie who wanted the ice cream, not the girl. And then like, like he's like, Actually, I ignored Katie who asked me for ice cream. Like, there wasn't a girl. Like, he slowly throughout the episode, his story is becoming more real. And I think the real story is he was playing this shooter game. He got caught up in it. Katie wanted ice cream. And he was like, I'm not going to take it to get ice cream. I'm playing this game. And then Katie disappeared, quote unquote. You know, but his, no, his story changes several times throughout. So it doesn't surprise me that, like, he's playing a different game from the one that he says. Okay, yeah. I dig that explanation. Yeah, I was just, I only really noticed it because I'm like, hey, Dead or Alive is the fighting game where you fight as girls in bikinis. Why is this guy playing a shooter? Like, that's all I noticed, really. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was probably like, I really dig this. Again, this is what the rewatch just for this, but if you watch the evolution of his flashbacks, it's so interesting and it's such a small detail and in any other episode i would chalk it up to criminal minds being terrible but i think in this episode it's very purposeful the way that they like have his story little details so like in this first one he's like yeah i was playing dead or alive and but i wasn't the one being loud i was playing a shooter and i was the one yelling you know Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, yeah, everyone was watching me. And this girl came over and asked me for ice cream. And then, like, no, it was Katie that wanted ice cream. And I ignored her, you know. So I think that yeah. the inconsistency is, is part of the son 
the cousin having to like make up a story because he's he's making up a story, you know. Yeah, true. He's hiding things. Yeah. God, this episode's so good. Like it's like it's so good. And for what? Okay. And for what? Truly. Okay. Yeah. So then we see more searching with the dogs. Oh, and they lose her scent at one point because there's an air conditioning vent and it like scatters the dog's scent. The scent, you know? Which makes sense. Yeah, which makes sense. Okay, so then the aunt is watching the cousin being quote-unquote interrogated by Reed and Derek and she wants to go there. And Emily is like, no, you know, they're doing the sensory thing to help him remember, etc. He probably feels responsible. And then the aunt says... One minute you're having a lighter engraved for your husband. The next, Katie is missing. Or they're calling Katie's name over the inner god. is being paid for whatever. Yeah. And then Emily is like, they're getting this, your son to remember things. And the mom's all like staring, staring that way. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this is where the kid, the cousin gives the fake story. It was loud. There was a kid yelling at a game. The mom... Katie wants to leave to go to her mom. She starts crying. But the cousin is like, I don't know why she was crying. Like, we see the flashback, but the cousin is like, yeah, I don't know why she was crying. And then he says everyone was looking at them because Katie was crying. He was, like, embarrassed about it. And there was a girl who wanted ice cream, but, like, he got distracted, and then Katie was just gone. So then the dogs lost her scent, but they find it again in a trash can. And we find this necklace. And Katie is wearing it in the picture, so they know it's hers. So JJ's like, hey, this necklace to the mom. And the mom's like, oh, yeah, you know, she found it in the schoolyard one day. And JJ says, it's 24 karat gold and the stones are real. Like, if somebody had lost this, they'd be looking for it. You know, but there's no reason for Katie to lie. And JJ is like, can we search your house? And both of them are like, yes, of course, do it. Like, go for it and then they're like why do they want to search our house and JJ's like well no reason (laughs) well I really really like there's this episode as part of the mystery really trusts the viewers in a way that most episodes don't you know like there's no there's not so much explanation the way that there usually is about why are they doing this and why do they think this? They're just doing it. And I think you're right that like this is how the BAU actually functions in this world. That they, they don't have to spend all their time explaining things to one another. <laughs> they yeah. just they just um they know these things already. So when one of them is they like learn about this necklace. And how you know, and Hotch is like, can we search your house? And they say yes. JJ knows why they're searching the house. She knows what Hotch has put together. They don't have to say it out loud, and I really enjoy that. Again, this is sort of part of that. It, it it's sort of that part where they are playing. We're seeing the BAU as the victim's family is seeing the BAU. Like they've come in and they're just like they're not explaining shit. They're just doing it. And I do really like that. I like it. I feel like so few shows trust viewers to be smart enough to just hang on for a few minutes while they talk about something important. 
Maybe yeah. that's just like nowadays I feel like shows do that. Criminal Minds is usually pretty good though about just like sometimes just doing things and you won't know why until the end of the episode. But I feel like every other show I've watched recently, bar like one or two, is just like, we're going to hold your hand through every step. And I promise this is how a story goes. You know what I mean? But I think on the other side of that, I think audience members, watchers, whatever, viewers, they do get annoyed when something is not made clear to them. You know, I think specifically, like, if a character doesn't come out explicitly, then they're going to say they're not this or that, or it wasn't enough. And, you know? I think more, I think of it less on the character side. I think of it purely on a plot side. I cannot tell you the amount of fucking times a Marvel movie has held my hand and like walked me through every fucking stage of a story 17 times instead of just telling a story and trusting me to follow. You know what I mean? Like, I don't even care about how people fucking feel about characters. I don't give a shit about that. I'm talking purely from a story construction level. So few shows trust the viewers enough to like watch the show. Yeah. And Criminal Minds, all of this to say is, I think generally Criminal Minds is pretty good about trusting the viewer to watch the show yeah i think it is i mean i think in a show like this they kind of have to but sometimes it does get handholdy or i notice that like you know at the beginning the middle and the end of the season they explain what an unsub is to someone you know yeah there's like some stuff like that but again i think this was shown on like syndication and if you just like catch a random rewatch you might need a little bit of help so i think that i think that if criminal minds was it kind of beholden to that you know like someone isn't like someone's just gonna pick up and watch a random episode on cable one day that mm-hmm. it needs to be enough information in that episode that they can do that without being like what the fuck is happening in terms of yeah. solving the crime you know we might not pick up on the character stuff or the story stuff but they can get enough to solve to enjoy the crime of it you know so i get why they do that but this episode is so good <laughs> this episode is just so good yeah okay so then Hotch shows Derek the pick the necklace and says the clasp is damaged and it was thrown away so you know this might not be related to last week this killing seems like it was motivated by revenge and Derek talks about a case where a woman like killed her husband killed a man because or a woman killed a woman was not with a man the man chose another woman she killed that other woman and that's the story we get. So it's like, this could be motivated by rejection and jealousy and revenge. Okay. Reed and Derek go to the house. Okay. Reed pulls a movie out of a DVD player and says, oh my God, they were, this was my favorite movie as a kid. But they don't show us what the movie is. And I'm, <laughs> it truly bothers me. It truly bothers me. So they family watches movies by the fireplace and they eat dinner together. And it's like super cozy and super like... Norman Rockwell would think it was too much. And they're like, that's what I'm afraid of. JJ is talking to the parents and is like, is there, are there any threats? Has anyone made threats to the family? Any conflict with the neighbors and stuff? Any problems at school with Jessica? And the mom's like, no, no. Why would someone we know do this? And the husband is like, why would anyone be upset with Katie, whatever? And the Hotch is like, you know, somebody ripped this necklace off of her. She could know the offender. And the dad's like, we get along with all of our neighbors and all the kids at school. I taught my daughter well. 
And Hotch says, I taught my daughter well, not we taught our daughter well. I don't think this is a weird thing to say. I don't think so either. I think Hotch just has extreme divorce energy right now, and he yeah. just noticed that. I think Extre- that is literally it. Extreme divorce energy. He has extreme divorce energy. That's going to be the name of this episode. <laughs> yeah, he's very much being cynical about that stuff. But like saying I taught my daughter well. I'm not excluding my wife. I'm I'm just talking about me in that moment, you know. And then he's like, are there any affairs or stuff? And okay, but then the husband says, no, we are not participating in any affairs. And I was like, well, how would he know if his wife was having an affair? Like, you know, it's not like, <laughs> isn't that kind of point? It's not what an affair is. How would you know your wife is cheating? Whatever. And then he's like finding, oh, he's like, you know, I we want to find Katie. And Hotch says, finding Katie is everything to me. Okay. Back to searching, and now it's nighttime. So time is passing. How much time passes here? They say 45 minutes ago at one point. I'm pretty sure we are, like, within the hour. At and most, it just, it's an hour it and just kind of happened at, like, the 5 o'clock hour or something when it was almost dark anyway. Yeah, when we see them coming into the mall for the AU, it's, like, getting dark outside. Yeah, okay. So, like, it just happens to be, like, the sunset hour. Yeah. We're back to Katie's house. Katie has been bedding her bed. And Reed tries to kind of like write it off. She's a kid. But then Derek says, Derek finds a Barbie that's been destroyed. Like, like very much destroyed. Yeah, like X is on the eyes. The neck is t- torn up. It's just like been destroyed. And then Derek She said, painted red on the neck somehow. Like yeah. it looks like there's like barbed wire around it. Like it looks like she wrapped wires around the neck. Like, yeah. It's, it's destroyed. <laughs> Yeah. And then Derek says, Reed, I know these signs. And I was just like, Derek, my boy, my man. My boy. Yeah. So they say that she's probably covering up about the necklace. I can, you can tell that like Reed thinks that the cousin is molesting Katie. And they call, and Derek calls Hotch and he's like, we both know the odds. It's someone in the house. And Derek is like, the dad could have bought it. And Hotch is like, no, because if a dad bought his daughter a nice necklace, like, why would you lie about that? You don't have to hide that. Yeah, exactly. You can just Mm -hmm. buy her a nice necklace. Yeah. He separates uncle and cousin to be interrogated separately. And I think... So here's a question for you. Uh Uh-huh. Reed and Derek clearly are leaning towards, like, the cousin being the one who does it. Do you think Hotch has his eyes on the uncle from the beginning? Or I mean, from the beginning of this interrogation. Or do you think, like, because they start being like, the record, the this, the that, and then Hotch and Emily look at each other, and Hotch is like, what was her name? The girl. What was her name? And the guy doesn't even know. You know, do you think he thinks it's the uncle from the beginning? I think if Hotch does not think it's the uncle from the beginning, I think he catches on pretty damn quick because it's emily and hotch interviewing the uncle right i think emily always had a suspicion of the uncle i think she picks up on that i think as soon as he makes that comment about like her reading or something somewhere she emily gives him a look and then just walks away and i think she has her suspicions then so I think she has that suspicion. And I think if Hotch did not walk into that interview room with that suspicion, I think he picked up on Emily's suspicion 
pretty much immediately. Emily doesn't have like a ton of lines in this this particular scene, but her the looks body she language, gives are powerful. Her body language, the way she's like wandering away, wandering back, looking at Hodge, like he's the one doing looking all the at the dude's hands. Yeah, she's screaming with her body language in this. And I also I don't even think I honestly don't believe that Derek and Spencer really believe it's that kid. Really? I think they're just trying to get a straightened story out of the kid because they both, I think they have both by now picked up on the fact that he has been telling two different versions of the same story, that he's been nervous about it. I really don't think either of them think it's that kid. Okay. I could see that. I could see that they... I think they're just the two FBI agents who have been sort of assigned to handling the kid. So I think they're the ones who are with him the most. Like, I think it's just... I could see that. Like, it's less that, like, I think you're, like, molesting her and more, like, I think that you don't know how to handle this. You know? Like, you don't know how to handle what's going on. So you're tense or whatever. Yeah, I I could see you right. Uh, okay, there's another searching scene. Emily and Hotch go to get the uncle, and they're gonna like they're like we think you know the cousin knows something, and the uncle responds about Katie. Okay, the cousin's thirteen, and Rita's like I also started noticing girls then, but I was super awkward and it was frustrating, and I was just like, because you were in college. You were a freshman in college and you were 13 years old. I'm sure that was very weird, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that you were awkward around them. It's that everyone else was a solid 5 to 10 years older than you were. So <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. And they bring up the girl at the arcade. Oh, yeah. I wrote down, ill Because Reed says, you're becoming a man. It's perfectly normal. Oh. 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 Am I getting the sex talk from Reed? I just imagine Reed having sex at all. It just seems weird to me. This man cannot talk dirty or talk sex at all to save his life. Oh, he is a messy bottom. (laughs) Reed, Spencer Reed is a messy bottom. I just I just can't picture this man walking up to anybody and being like, do you want to have sex with me? I would like to have sex with you. And it working. I just can't. I just can't. And yet he probably dates more than anybody else in the show. Which is so fucked up. The fact that Which he is has so like so fucked up. The fact that he has like several girlfriends and Emily Prentice is single. The fact that he pulls Aubrey Plaza is fucking deranged. It is de-fucking-ranged, dude. Oh, just kill me. There's a reason that, like, the love of his life was, like, an over-the-phone relationship. Okay, yeah, not to be rude, but... The fact that this man pulls Aubrey Plaza is just so... It's so... Anyway, girl. He, he brings <laughs> Sorry, up, anyway. Anyway, he brings up the girl in the arcade. He brings up the like video games and he's like, "Have you experimented with like sex and violence yet?" And I was like, "Yet?" <laughs> okay. 
Cool. Great. They're back in the He event. also he mm-hmm. also says like the violent video game is like him experimenting with violence or whatever, and I'm like With his violent side. This man this is the man who has read all of those papers about how video games don't actually make you more violent, and yet he's like But the shooty video game means you like violence. Come on. You were there during the Doom craze. What the fuck, my guy? Like this kid has never bullied anybody. This kid seems like such a good kid. Yes, he's just trying really hard. He's just in very bad circumstances. And the, like, crime he committed was that he stole earrings for a girl that he liked. Okay. Which is like, okay, shoplift. (laughs) Go for it. Okay. Emily asks the uncle what what Cousin's interests are. What does he do? And uncle goes, I don't know, the computer? (laughs) Which is like, okay. He doesn't know any of his friends. He's always, he's like, the cousin is always in the bedroom on the computer listening to that metal music I don't understand. <laughs> and Emily's like, it's so, you do realize how weird it is for you to know nothing about your son, right? And, and yeah, she's right. He's right. And then Hotchick walks away and comes back and is like, you know, the cousin has a record for stealing. Six months ago, he stole earrings for a girl that he liked. They were very valuable. And em- and Emily's like, what's her name? And ha- and he goes, whose name? And Emily's like, the girl your son stole earrings for. And the uncle's like, I don't know. Like, why would I know that? And it's like, he says if he hadn't gotten caught, we wouldn't even know that he likes girls. Which but is very... I just want to be like, that's not the defense you think it is. Like, that's not normal. Like, it's not normal to, like, know jack all about your son. It's so weird. Like, that, like, like sorry, not normal. And I was a kid that was on my computer all the time, listening to music, ignoring my parents. My dad would still try and talk to me. Like, it was me that was like, shut up, go away, leave me alone, I'm gay. You know? But this dad clearly doesn't give two shits about his son. And neither does the mother. My parents still knew things about me when I was, yeah. like, an annoying kid who didn't talk to him. It's just They knew so... my friends' names. They knew who I hung out with. Yeah. Yeah. They knew how I was doing in school. Yeah. Like... Yeah. I feel so bad for Jeremy, this I'm kid. I feel so truly, bad for this kid. Truly. And I... I was just thinking when I said, like, he's kind of a good kid, he's traumatized. It was like, well, why didn't he tell anyone about what was happening with Katie? Because he's fucking traumatized. Like, what would you, like, not only does your father not care about you, but he's giving all that attention to your cousin, but in a way that is hurting her. Like, what do you say? You know? Yeah. And then the mom clearly also doesn't give two shits about him beyond controlling him. How do you even find the words to tell somebody, anybody? Like, yeah, I feel so bad for Jeremy. Like, no wonder Justice he spends... for my boy Jeremy. No wonder Jay he for spends... Jay, man. Jay for Jay. <laughs> Not for Jay. only does he spend... Like, no wonder he spends all of his time in the computer blasting music. Like, he doesn't want to know. He's like, I exactly. can't... I, I, I'm 13... I don't know how to handle this. And it's not his job to handle it. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, poor kid. Okay. Derek goes to talk to JJ. 
and there JJ is like still in the uh now she's in the um food court with the mom, the dad, and the aunt. Can I say that I like the way that the mall slowly empties out over the course of this episode? Like by yeah. now it's basically just the family there. And yeah. I really dig that actually. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, I was going to say it was empty, but then I was like, why would it be empty? But I think you're right that it does, like... It, like, progressively empties out, basically. As they, like, search people and, like, get them out of the mall, it progressively empties throughout the first sort of, like, half of the episode. After after she makes the plea, after mom makes the plea, it basically, like, pretty much empties out. Yeah. This oh, episode's yeah, really fucking good, dude. There's so much shit just like going on in the background that I am obsessed with. Yeah. Okay. Derek is talking to JJ and is like, hey, well, he tells the family the uncle's been questioned, whatever. And the mom and the dad are like, they're being questioned, like, why? What's going on? And Susan's like, we'll have to trust that, you know, everything's okay. And Derek's like, oh, the aunt. And Derek's like, why didn't the aunt ask why her son is being detained? Like, she isn't like, why is he being detained? And she's relaxed enough to just, like, sit down. Like, the mom and the dad keep, like, sitting down and standing up and sitting down and standing up. And pacing, pacing restless energy. And she's literally just, like, sitting there staring off into the distance. Like, no, nothing. And JJ is, like, maybe she's protecting her composure or protecting someone else. Hey, get out of this Google Doc. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, shit. Sorry. Yeah, I forgot there was a reason why I didn't have it open. I was just like thinking, I'm like, why don't I have the Google Doc open? I should do that. And then I was like, oh, right. It's not time yet. I mean, Jen, you can keep it open. Just don't look at it. We're almost there, but okay. Reed (laughs) Reed is talking to the cousin and he's like, I study human behavior. The way you're leaning back for me, blah, blah. Oh, and then I made a note. He's like, you're cheek- biting your cheek. It's like you're trying to hold something back. And I was like, that's literally what Emily said to Bailey in the last Evolution episode. <laughs> the more things change, the more they stay the same, baby. Sure. We are circling back around to that point. Put a pin in that for about 10 more years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, 13 more years. Yep. Okay. Then... You know, Rita's like, I think something else happened in the arcade that you haven't told anyone about yet. So, they're talking to the um, uncle again. And Hotch says, you know, did the cousin spend any time with Katie? And the uncle says, we all did. We, You know, our family spent a ton of time together. And Hotch goes, did that make you jealous? And he puts the necklace on the table. And, like, immediately the uncle is, like, tense. And Emily, so Hotch left and came back. Emily has gone nowhere, but she's ready. She's like, it's weird how you know so much about Katie and nothing about your own son. Emily is like, I have been waiting to call this guy a creep. (laughs) And it is time. (laughs) And she's like, molesters pay more attention to the kid they're grooming than their own children. And Hotch is basically like, accusing him of molestation and the uncle's like i'm not listening to this i'm not listening to this i would never whatever and then hotch is like what happened did she outgrow your age rage did she get too old for you and the uncle goes no and it's so like 
<sighs> they like they like batter this dude with questions until mm-hmm. they say like, "Oh, did she get too old for you?" And he's like, "No." And then it's just like silence. And it's so good. I think what really I don't know, terrifies me, gets me whatever, upsets me about this is like the uncle like is genuinely like in love with Katie the six-year-old yeah it that's fucked up but you're so right and he says like you know I may have done some things that you've never understood but I would never hurt Katie and it's like he truly thinks that she is consenting participating understanding yeah but just the way she, the way Hotch is like, did she get too old for you? And the uncle goes, no. Like, I just, it it truly, obviously, like, I do not agree with this anyway. But it makes me wonder, like, would Katie ever grow too old? For, like, would, you know, like, it, like there's, so there's different kinds of pedophilia. There's like, if you're like a quote unquote genuine pedophile, gender doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It's about the age. And then there's people who, like, are interested in a specific gender, but children, you know? Yeah. So it's, like, in this uncle's sick, twisted head, did he, like, fall in love with Katie? You know, like, if if she had grown up, would he have kept it? Go, like what was his long-term plan probably didn't have what one. was the end game here probably literally didn't have one exactly and emily is giving him like the biggest stink guy she wants to skin this man alive and i was like me fucking too exactly yeah. girly me too yeah hotch and emily go to leave but then hotch says you know the necklace was ripped off in a rage he just seems broken and it's and, just like, yeah. fuck this dude. Mm-hmm. And then God, we I get, I hate this guy so much. I hate this guy so much. And then great job a, to the actor. Uh, again, actor, great job to uh, Emmanuel, I think, is Emmanuel the one playing Richard. Anyway, great fucking acting. Great acting. Done sorry. by, again, everybody this episode, but Emmanuel, good fucking job, my guy. Yeah. So then we hear the voiceover. One second, you're getting a lighter engraved, and then Katie's voice is being caged. And Emily hesitates and looks at the uncle and says, you know, for probably the most stressful time of your life, you haven't smoked a cigarette once. And the uncle's like, oh, I, I quit like a month ago. Okay, folks, ding, 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 ding. Let's go over the clues. Let's go over these clues. Okay. How many, oh. did you say how many there were? There are nine. That you caught? Okay. I'm going to try and name some. I think the first one is in the very beginning of the episode as the aunt is calling the police because she's mentioning specifically she's trying to throw them off the track of her doing it and pinning it immediately on the other guy, right? The other abduction that happened. Yes. Good job. She says, this isn't happening. Somebody took her like the little girl last week. Good job. That's clue number one. Yay! Clue number two. Is it like the other person, the other like MO of like the guy taking her must have wanted time? Like, is it 
Is it like when they're mentioning that? Yep. They say the abductor must still be here. Oh, yeah, obviously. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's clue number three. She didn't leave, and if she didn't leave, then the abductor is still here, too. They got caught in the lockdown. Good job. Okay, clue number three. I mean, it's got to be the necklace in the trash, or just the necklace in general? Sure, so I have it as the picture of Katie having the necklace. That it's a very nice necklace. That's what I added while we were watching. Number four. I got a few things that I'm kind of, I'm weighing here right now. It's okay if they're out of order, you know? Okay, okay, okay. Because then I'm going to have to go with Katie must have trusted the offender when they, de- when they decide that. When they find that one, that's like a big clue right there to me. Yes, absolutely. Necklace ripped off in a rage? I mean, did I already kind of say the necklace? Are we counting all of the necklace as one? No, I have it as, yeah, the class being damaged and thrown away, motivated by revenge and projection. Okay. Oh, when they're talking about potential offenders, they're cross-referencing it with people who who worked at that mall who would be familiar with it. Yep. And eventually it comes out that the aunt was familiar with the mall. Yes. So one of the clues is they I'm say- I'm on a fucking roll here, my dude. One of the clues is they say- he must have come to the mall because he's familiar with the surroundings and feels safe. And then is it the is it the aunt talking about how she worked at the mall then? Is that sort of like mm-hmm. 4.5, like 5.5 5 or yeah. whatever we're on? She, she says that she worked in retail and she should hate the mall, but it was convenient. The lighter. I mean, the lighter sort of like the last one that comes back around, but the aunt saying that she was having a lighter engraved, I feel like kind of. Yeah, I do have that. Kind of comes to one. There's two left. Okay, the framing when um, mom is making the message out, they linger on, obviously, the other family members a lot. When they so say, there's that. When they say, whoever you are, I hope you're listening, they literally have the aunt in the center of the frame. Is it the aunt not caring about why the kid is being questioned? Like, they think he knows something. Like, they make a... JJ makes a big deal of the aunt not caring why the kid was being questioned, right? Yeah, she does. That's actually one I didn't mark as a clue, so you got a bonus clue. Oh, I got a bonus one. Okay, 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 okay. What one is the other clue, then, that you were thinking? The ant being so calm? No, so it's not actually, this clue's not actually the ant. Final clue. Is it when the, when they separate uncle and cousin, when he says, like, when they say we think he could know something, the uncle looks scared and he's like, about what? Or like, about Katie or something like that? Yeah, that's the last one. Oh, fuck yeah! He's more concerned with Katie than he is with, like, he doesn't say my son is innocent, he says. Does he know something about Katie? Yeah, good job. I, as comes coming as a surprise to nobody involved, I read a lot of mystery books, <laughs> and I'm very much enjoying mysteries, so I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. Okay. And then, so once the uncle says he quit, the aunt Emily flashes back to the aunt, saying like it was convenient. So. 
okay, Jamily moment. I'm gonna go to JJ and Derek, and it's like the aunt's not telling the truth. This is gonna be dangerous. She walks around JJ. She scoots around her like as close as possible. There's like all this space, but she like puts her hand on JJ's back and like gently scoots around her. And it's like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Anyway, Emily, gay, homosexual, gay, 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 gay. Emily pulls the aunt away and is like, "You mentioned that you used to work in retail. What you didn't say was you used to work at this mall." And Emily's like, you know this mall. You separated yourself from the group. And then Susan can't say anything. She's like, shakes her head. So Emily takes her away. And the parents like lunge. JJ is like iron armed holding this mother. (laughs) She is is not letting go. She is so strong. The mom is like jerking, lunging forward. And JJ is like, sorry, I have secret biceps. You can't, you don't see them. She's like, I'm so sorry. I know, I know they don't come up often right now, but I am very strong. Yeah. So then Emily's interrogating the aunt and Emily's like, what did you do to Katie? And the aunt goes, why would you ask me that? And Emily points out like, you guys have been playing this happy family, but you've been separated for months now. You didn't even know he wasn't smoking anymore. And she says, you know, do you think that taking Katie away would cure your husband's sickness? You know, did your, did the story on the news give you inspiration about how to, you know, fix this? And, like, did you duct tape her mouth? She has asthma that could kill her. And the aunt just says, this was not supposed to happen to my family. And Emily says, this didn't happen to you. You did this. You're not a victim (laughs) in any way in this, you know. You are an active participant here. One could say you are the one who made this happen. Yeah, and Emily shows her the Barbie and is like, this is how Katie sees herself. Self-loathing dirty, disgusting. That is what your husband makes her feel. And Emily starts describing how Katie must have been like terrified while the husband like snuck in there and the aunt just laid in bed and pretended it wasn't happening. Like you should have shielded her. (gasps) And instead you're like, like you're like, imagine trying to kill the six year old your husband is abusing. It's it's this whole it just, ugh, God. Crazy. Gang? Yeah. And then Susan's What's just up? like, Susan just goes, enough. And it's so like, oh, God. So then we see people running to where Katie is. We like, you know, I assume that Susan told. And they find her in a filing cabinet. She's duct taped. There's no pulse. She's unconscious. Hotch is like giving her CPR. And we see like the slow-mo of JJ telling the parents and them all like running off. And Emily arrests Susan, who's just, like, disassociating. The uncle's arrested. And then Kitty wakes up. And JJ and Derek, like, exchange a smile. Emily, okay. Emily's walking Susan to the police car. She does have a sideways belt buckle in this moment. And I was, like, so sure, Emily. And then the cousin is like, will Katie be okay? And Derek says, she will eventually. Which I'm just like, Derek. And then the cousin's like admits he's like I heard Katie calling my mom's name, and Derek says like he's like that's what I was hiding, and Derek says I get it that's your mom. Oh man, maybe it's like my own family drama, but if my mom took my cousin away and then my cousin went fucking missing, I'd say something. Yeah. Well, that's a hard one. It's a hard. He's one. a scared little kid. Yeah. Just so, what an episode, huh? Yeah, hold on, we're not quite done yet. Okay. 
Sorry, I don't have the I don't have the dock open again. Wait, hold up. Let me go to the I opened up the document and then put it in another window and minimized it, so now I can't fucking <laughs> there it is. Okay, I found it. Yeah. Don't okay. worry, I'm back on track. Hi. Right. And the cousin says, you know, what's gonna happen to me now? And Reed's like, I don't know, but we're gonna make sure you're all right. And then JJ and Garcia, JJ's like seeing the aunt consoling Katie's mother is an image that's gonna haunt me for a while. And Garcia's like, Yeah, you know, but we could have been left haunted by something much worse. And the uncle, okay, the uncle's, like, put into the cop car, and the dad is just, like, staring at him. Like, there's so many emotions going on inside of him. Like, the betrayal, the rage, the disbelief, the, like, like, how was this happening? And then Franklin is like, you know, that first unsub still hasn't been caught. The first unsub still hasn't been caught. And Hatch is like, yeah, there's always more out there. That's, like, this is a terrible universe. <laughs> we exist in actually. This is a terrible universe. This is yeah. the the crime stats in this universe are fucking innumerable. Terrible. Hotch goes to Jessica's house where Haley is staying, Jessica's Haley's sister, and he like wants to see Jack. And he's like, just five minutes, and Haley lets him go. And I said, like, this is hard because like Haley knows that Jack loves his son, but like you can't only be there when you need like you need your child's comfort, you know? Like that's not how being a parent works. Yeah, again, Haley is much better to Hotch than he deserves. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to sit here and be like... Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so glad that we had we did that episode where we like deep dive, deep dove into Haley and Strauss because somebody made a post on the Criminal Minds Reddit being like, I hate Haley and like listed all these things and like, and Strauss too listed all these things and I basically was just like, here's a paragraph about Haley and here's a paragraph about Strauss. Don't hate them. And they responded... Fair points. <laughs> it was like everything. Next time, just post that and then also post a link to that podcast episode and get us some fucking listeners, my guy. I will. Okay. <laughs> so that's the episode. Oh, also, this episode could be Emily's birthday. Wait, for real? Yeah. Like, that's the time. We're in, like, mid-October. Emily's birthday is October 12th. And that's about where we are in the timeline. So, like, this literally could be Emily's birthday. That's so... Yeah. We don't get a date on this episode, but like literally it could be Emily's birthday. Okay. That's the episode. What do you rate it? Ten. Ten. Obviously. Ten. Ten out of ten. Ten. It's a perfect fucking episode. It's fucking fantastic. It's We, we had no negative criticism on this episode. Literally none. Because it is everything it needs to be. It is a locked house murder mystery. It is a poignant story about families. It is a terrible story about a little girl going missing. It has everything you could want. No, what a great fucking episode, dude. It is truly absolutely perfect. I think this is the most, I don't want to say best because that's so like subjective, but like one of the best written, acted, edited Criminal Minds episodes of all time. This is one of, I think you said at the top of the show, top five. Top five. Easy. Easy. Easily top five. I think this one is, man, I don't know what episode could be better than this to be the best episode of season three. Yeah, I don't there know. There are some that I think on a character level might come close, but I don't know if anything's beaten seven seconds, dude. That's what I was like just thinking. I was like thinking over the course of the whole show, and there's some episodes I really, really love, but as far as like best episodes go this might all be around the, whole package this might be the best episode of criminal minds 
there's a few others that I think will be in the running. And I think what's going to be fun is yeah, once we go through the show, we can sort of do lookbacks and find the best episodes from each season. And then we can just kind of rate them against each other and we can rewatch all of them and we can do like a big, hey, what is the best episode of Criminal Minds? I'll fucking tell you, man. Seven seconds is going to be in the conversation and it's going to yeah. be a big heavy hitter in that ep- in that convo. Like, yeah, I'm really excited to see episode? Like, how we rank the top, you know, 15 best episodes of original Criminal Minds. I think it's going to be really season three through six heavy. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say derailed number 15. <laughs> Seven <laughs> seconds. Number one. Number like, one. <laughs> yeah like okay god what a good fucking episode huh what a good episode okay they said seven seconds no wheels up because they didn't fucking go anywhere yeah this mall was in dc or virginia or whatever so yeah people can find us on anywhere they get their socials at wheels up pod they can find us on twitter instagram tumblr uh, which I do actually use. I got somebody in our Tumblr inbox the other day going, wow, you actually use this? The answer is, yeah, I do for some reason. Um, you can also, if you have a correction or any other requests, you can email us at wheelsup wheelsup at com. Uh, and is that it? Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help us out a lot. Uh, if you have reviews, feedback, or whatever that you want to say to our faces, you can do so at Anchor dot fm slash wheels up pod next week we're going back to i think yeah we're going back to evolution we're going to evolution 107 and 108 uh pieces of me and um french title pas de do i don't fucking how they do pas de do there we go sorry i don't know how many uh silent letters there are in any given word of fran of french I really don't. The only like French I really knew uh, was Foley Adu from the fucking Fallout Boy album. So, James. Yeah. Do you have an ending quote for me? No. Why? Why mess with perfection? Thank you. Good night. <laughs> and we're done. We're out of here. Mm-hmm.